0: Hi everyone, Ursula has unfortunately stolen Maya's voice, so I'm producer Andy, popping by to intro this week's episode of the Gaysian Podcast. This episode is with Quinn Mai Nguyen, the marketing director of the Philadelphia Asian American Film Festival, and it's a blast. We say it often, but we'll say it again here at the Gaysian Project and podcast, we cannot get enough of Asian and queer Asian representation, which is why this episode is so exciting. It's a conversation not just about representation, but a conversation about representation with someone who is directly involved with increasing access to amazing Asian stories and providing a platform for more Asian representation. We're going to include links to the PAAFF website and program for you, so you can check out the movies that Quinn talks about and Maya freaks out over in the show notes. The festival runs from November 8th to 18th in Philadelphia. The Queer Shorts program is completely free, so go see it. Huge thanks to Kat Ramirez at Philadelphia Asian Performing Artists and the Asian Arts Initiative for connecting us with PAAFF. Thanks to Rob Buster for setting up this episode with Quinn, and also for the brilliant work he has been doing as the program director at PAAFF, and to Quinn, of course. This episode is really fun, and we at TGP could not be more thrilled to be supporting Asian American storytelling. And before I turn it over to Quinn and Maya, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Every time someone does it, it loosens Ursula's grip on Maya's vocal cords and allows her to regain her voice for more podcasting. I swear it's true. But without further ado, this is the Gaysian Podcast with the Philadelphia Asian American Film Festival's marketing director, Quinn Mindwin.
1: yeah go for it start recording all right let's Um, do this
2: perfect okay so pardon my voice I my vocal cords are still catching up with like the recovery of me being sick so
1: if I sound like a troll sorry okay I mean I don't you sound fine from what I remember yesterday
2: (laughs) okay amazing um (laughs) as long as I sound fine (laughs) I love how you have, like, a sign that says sexy above your bed. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) I love it. It's amazing. Good. (laughs) It adds to the whole ambiance of uh, everything.
1: (laughs) That's from, like, um, it's from some paper book that they give out at paper festivals for Mm -hmm. graphic designers, which doesn't happen anymore because everything's digital now and it's a list of paper. And yeah, that sexy was like a thing. And I was like, well, I'm going to keep this page and throw the rest of the book out.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good, I think you made the right decision there. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thank you. I appreciate that uh, support.
2: Uh, So uh, if you don't mind, can you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about
1: you? Hey, hey world. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Quinn Mai Nguyen. And I am the marketing director of the Philadelphia Asian American Film Festival. And what was the other question? part of the question?
2: I'm just anything else you want to add about yourself? <laughs>
1: um, okay, yeah. Uh, so marketing director of the Philadelphia Asian American Film Festival. I've been with this festival now for about six years. As a volunteer, I didn't always start out as the director. I started out as a regular volunteer, helping with campaign designs. And then I eventually moved up into helping creating a new website. And then it went from there, the rest is history. Then I started taking on more more uh, responsibility. And one day, the program director said, hey, you're our director now for marketing. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> awesome! <laughs> you did it <laughs> I, I did it you climbed that ladder uh, yeah, yeah I guess so I guess I did I, I broke through that bamboo ceiling <laughs>
2: yeah for sure <laughs> you ever read um, that book no I haven't I have seen the title everywhere and everyone always keeps referencing it and I'm like yeah I get it I have also read it <laughs> it's kind of like leaning in where everybody always references leaning in and I'm like
1: yeah I did yep. it mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah it's like the same with like Tiger Mom and like um, what's the oh man what's that Asian Joy Luck Club that one oh, yeah. I did re- oh, yeah.
2: that was a signed reading in my elementary school the Joy Luck yeah. Club oh really yeah. which now that I'm thinking about it is wow. insane because I went to a Catholic school in like super rural California.
1: Wow, that's not only is that a heavy book I think for an elementary student, but in rural California, that's impressive.
2: Yeah, at a Catholic school that was predominantly white. seems wow. Yeah. Right. Your teacher,
1: your teacher was very woke for that yeah,
2: time. Truly, <laughs> I know. I'm like currently having a point where I'm like, wait. that's wild um club was great i love that book i I don't think i ever saw the movie but speaking of movies since you're involved with half um so cool can you okay So I'm really excited to talk to you more about PATH and just like have the Gaijin Project be a little bit more involved with bringing visibility to the film festival because, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I talked to you about this a little bit. So much of like what I love to talk about is representation on screen and like how representation of marginalized communities can have really profound and lasting impact on audiences, whether it be just from like, transformational on the like personal level, like helping a kid uh, see themselves and, you know, come to terms with their identity and feel less alone to mm-hmm. actually having an impact on legislation and helping turn the tide towards a more accepting society towards, um, you know, queer issues, for instance. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's really, really exciting to see um, and to be more involved with uh, organizations and events like yours that are really pushing for Asian and Asian American stories to be told. Because as, as we saw during Asian August, we had one month where everybody was just like, holy shit, like Asian, <laughs> you know, like, the whole world finally realized that, like, there yes. are some amazing stories. And also in that realization, had another realization that it had been like 23 years, 25 years since you yeah. really saw anything.
1: Isn't that something? It's, it's wild. Uh, so how did,
2: you, how did you get like involved with PATH like from those volunteer days?
1: You, you know, it was just a simple ask. It, somebody was like, hey, we need help. So it first started out with someone that I actually went to high school with back in a small town in rural Pennsylvania, Amish country, which many know as Lancaster. And we both ended up in the Philly area for college. And she was program director at the time of the film festival and said, Quinn, I know you have design skills. Would you like to come and volunteer and help us with our design campaign this year? And that's where it all started was my with my yeah it just built built from there and I said yeah for sure I love films and I love art and I want to help my community where I can and that's what I did
2: that's awesome kind of moral of the story if you if you want to be involved with something you you are passionate about just like ask right just like do pretty the much. thing
1: yeah pretty much <laughs> if if you don't Put out there the needs and the ask. People don't know how to take action. Mm-hmm.
2: That's that's so true. Cause so many of us feel like lost. On, um, I mean, like this is totally like a broader statement in like our current political climate. So many of us feel like, what what can we do to help? What can we do? And there's like a loss totally. how on how to help. So totally. I mean, like I guess we can have our like our guru statement of this episode is to just ask, find ways <laughs> yeah. like yeah. to be involved with things that like you're stoked about is and yeah. you can end up being the marketing director um, <laughs> of like,
1: six years later. But
0: that's yeah. six
2: years of like I'm assuming like really amazing work. Like how in that six years what has it been like to see, like, the transformation of PATH and, like, uh, you know, like, the differences in programming and people attending and things like that? Oh, my
1: God. The, the, the progress, the progression, and the growth of the festival has definitely been a very fascinating, um, specimen. <laughs> I want to say, to watch. It's, yeah. The, the programming has always been super great. And I want to say with onboarding of Rob Bocher, it's just been skyrocketing ever since. And year after year, people come back and they say that it's so diverse. There's a little bit of something for everyone. And people are always so impressed with the way that we do cross-cultural promoting.
2: Oh, what do you mean by that?
1: So for example, one year we screened a movie about a girl who was part Japanese and part black, and we reached out to Philly's uh, Black, um, oh goodness, I'm forgetting their name, Black Star, Black Star Film Festival. Oh, okay. And we said, hey, this is a screening that we think would benefit the both of us. Let's partner up on this. And they said, absolutely. Absolutely. And so they promoted it to their network. We promoted it to our network and got a really amazing turnout.
2: Oh, that is really really awesome.
1: We do a lot of that. Uh, We do one of the things that we focus on in our marketing is we identify community partners for different films. And example, uh, there's a, a, a movie that we're screening this year called For Izzy. And there is an anecdotal relationship to queerness through the one lead character, but it largely focuses on the treatment of autism and addiction. Mm -hmm. And so my task, so one of the things I've been focused on is to try to find a partner that deals with mental health and getting them to come on board and say, hey, here are a bunch of comp tickets for you to give out to your staff or to your community. And in exchange, we would love it if you could promote this movie to your network and it usually brings in a really amazing uh, range of audiences people who've never heard of the film festival before and others who are returning
2: that's really cool there's uh-huh. i I feel like a lot of times when i i mean this definitely stems from a little bit of my own kind of like internalized racism and just like growing up in a Western space where it feels like Asians are towards the side always. Um, yep. But I've always felt that like when I see like an Asian event, um you know, like part of me is like, oh, that's only for Asians. Like if I go into that space, I'm only going yeah. to. Smoke. And yeah, I mean, a big part of doing the Asian project is trying to dispel that and try to be like, hey, like yeah, we may have been looked at as other, but we share so much with so mm-hmm. many. Different identities. Mm-hmm. yeah. It is really, really dope to see that, like, especially like I am so stoked and so excited to hear about what you did with the Black community um, in you yeah. know, like talking about Blasians, right? Yes, <laughs> but,
1: like, a trite name on that, but no, we don't. We actually it. had a program. Yeah, no, you're right. We don't. We had a program last year on that called Blasians. Wait, and <laughs> yeah, no, for real. It was a documentary. I think it was a documentary called Blasian Narratives, and it was either pre or post screening. We brought in local poets who, I guess, you can say they're blasian, and they performed pieces about this topic. And it was so um, moving, heartbreaking, inspirational to hear these people speak about their experience about being Black and Asian and that they were either one or the other, and that they couldn't be both. Uh, and they're invisible
2: in either Yes, stage, yeah, right? yeah,
1: like, yeah. And so the so whole...
2: Cool. <laughs> <laughs> like so cool. We don't talk about Blasian. We don't talk yeah. about Blackness or, you know, like we any don't. of that. that's, that's That's so, so cool.
1: Yeah, that, and that's one of the biggest reasons why I got involved with this film festival was when I started seeing the programming and how inclusive it was. Um, I'm a big, I, I've, I very much feel and have experienced that within the Asian community, especially as a female, right? We are conditioned to be quiet, to not mm-hmm. speak about taboo things, to not share, to speak when spoken to, right? And I love that this film festival really exposes all those different things. And the same reason why I love the project that you're working on. We don't <laughs> talk enough about queer Asians yeah. And to to create a space for people to find online about that is, yeah, I, I love it. I love it all.
2: Aww. Well, I like love the stuff that you guys are, obviously, I can't stop like being really excited about it. <laughs> minutes we've been talking. Um, I'm super curious. Do you think that like, uh being in philly uh, just like the makeup of philly as a city lends itself to you know allowing your programming to be so cross cultural uh versus you know like any other city i feel i mean like when i come to philly i feel like there's a different atmosphere um and different vibe amongst people on the street just like walking around than there would be in even san diego which is super yeah. chill or Los Angeles or San Francisco.
1: Yeah, 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 I, I would totally agree with that. I think, yeah, absolutely. The Philly, I've often heard people refer to Philly as the city of neighborhoods. OK. And in that, there are a lot of areas, um, whether it's marked by class, or culture, or age, or some kind of economic development, there's a certain vibe to that section of the city, and, and I know this is found in other cities, too, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure New York has this, and I, I haven't traveled enough to say what other cities have this kind of vibe, but there's definitely a neighborhood feel when you go from section to section of the city, you can go over the next four blocks and it's a completely different neighborhood. And like the Cambodian neighborhood is here or the Italian neighborhood is here, or, Oh, this is where all the college students are. So forth. And I also think that we, because Philly is a sanctuary city, mm. are we still a sanctuary city? I think we are because of the, our sanctuary status that attracts a lot of different, cultural uh, a lot of different um, immigrants and people others who are coming into the city and refugees Uh, it's just a big melting pot
2: that's I totally forgot that Philly was a sanctuary city yeah that 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 makes a lot of sense I mean like that definitely changes the way that you would interact I mean like along with like the neighborhoods and things like that I would assume that that totally changes the way that people interact with each other because you are spending a lot of time with different immigrants. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And then in addition to that, we also have a ton of schools here, a ton of colleges, a ton of universities. And that brings in a lot of people from out of state as well as international students. Mm. So there's just like a huge melting pot here. We're not far from New York, right? So uh, the proximity of New York, we are also more um cost effective compared to new york yeah we, your
2: cost of living is like,
1: <laughs> like right. Oh
2: my God. right? It's insane. yes
1: i know right so <laughs> so there's that but yet we still have like all the major hubs of tram- transportation like mm-hmm. new york we have an international airport we've got the train station we've got buses we are we are i forget i think the stat is like I think it's like nine hours. Within a nine-hour radius of Philly, we are in within like a like a majority percentage of the population of the country.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: it's huge. I promise to get you that stat later, but okay. it's like a really impressive stat. Okay, don't. Add, whoever's listening, go at us about these. Don't fact check us. No, please, please fact check us because I promise you, it's real. Uh, <laughs> That's- My boss would be horrified if I, <laughs> if I said otherwise. <laughs>
2: um, that's really, really cool. I, I mean, like, I was out in Philly last week, and just, I mean, like, I'm born and raised in California. Like, okay. I am the epitome of, like, Katy Perry's California Girls, except not at all. Um,
1: <laughs> except not at all. <laughs> I, I'm darker skinned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't
2: wear whipped cream bikinis. Uh <laughs> yeah, like I've spent time like I've lived a little bit in London. I've lived that's like the only place outside of California I've really lived in. Oh, that's awesome. And then awesome. other than that, it's uh like Bay Area and then Southern California. And coming out to Philly uh was and spending time there last week and I spent some time there over the summer. Was really really interesting, especially interacting with you know folks like you um, who are. I mean, you and I didn't get to meet,
1: but folks that are involved. I yes, I to, for the record,
2: uh, but folks who were who are active in the Asian kind of like activism sphere or cultural sphere in Philly, and it was so cool interacting with all these people and hearing about the work that's being done in Philadelphia that is so different than what we do on the west coast and that's like not to say that either one is better or worse but what i thought was so interesting is that there's like a lot of really amazing things like path uh that are happening in philadelphia that i being on the west coast would not have heard about like if you know i didn't have if I wasn't like looking on Instagram or had like recommended suggestions for all of these different Asian initiatives because of the Asian Project. Um, and I found that to be like super, super interesting that there's like kind of this divide between um, activism spheres from the East and the West Coast, uh, despite as, you know, like work, you know, it's like we're adjacent, but not necessarily really touching each other.
1: <laughs> just feel like, like a little boy when you just said touching each
0: other <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're like these two spheres that are just like right here we're right next to each other doing like all of this amazing stuff but like not a lot of like
1: cross pollination yeah. this is getting like very sexual <laughs> sorry. I'll ch- I'll pivot I'm sorry that was my <laughs> my fault I'll pivot I yeah I I totally agree with you I think uh I'm a big believer that if you live in an area that doesn't have access to a large body of water, that you may not be thinking very clearly about stuff. I I like to refer to that as the Bible belt of the country. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I, I think that's really interesting also in what you're saying, because while Uh, Philly's Film Festival, I think is still, I know we're in our 11th year, but I still feel like we're very young and we have a lot to do and a lot to learn. And there's so many ways in which we still need to grow. And oftentimes we look up to other film festivals like CAM and LA, Asian American uh, Film Festival in LA, who are, in my opinion, are really leading festivals in this industry um and and more so uh cam who you know i I think their programming lends itself to a lot of social justice stuff Uh,
2: absolutely yeah i i mean like what i think is so awesome about path is that i mean when you're in la if you do a film festival in la or new york you have a lot of resources built into that city like being in la LA is Hollywood, right? Like the industry is LA, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, despite what many naysayers, you know, like (laughs) holding up, like we're not all Hollywood times. But you just have like a lot of resources um, to be able to attract more uh, and like just a wide breadth of films. And you have kind of like an infrastructure to allow that to grow and become something really awesome. Whereas Philadelphia is a space where you don't normally think of Philly as being, like, a space of filmmaking. Like, definitely a place to go film because of, you yes, know, it being cheaper to film out in Philly than it would be um, right. in California. But I think that's something different than having, you know, the, like, a film industry infrastructure that would allow you to have those resources. So mm-hmm. I think that's what really I think that's why I get I was so excited to talk to you all about PATH because you created something in a space where you, you know like that is attracting a lot of cool programming, that is you know kind of creating this access to stories in a space that isn't already kind of inundated with a myriad of opportunities to see best movies and things like that
1: yeah I think I totally agree with you. LA definitely, as far as resources go and Hollywood, right? There is totally a community there of everything that you could possibly need and find for how to get your project done, right? From like writers to funding, et cetera. Something that I think Pennsylvania as a whole actually has done a pretty good job of in the last few years is, and I, I believe this is credit to the Greater Philadelphia Film Office, okay, which is a, a, another organization here who actually worked with legislation to provide tax breaks for filmmakers. That's to awesome. yeah, and I think as a result of that, that the the idea of using Philly as a location to, to film has has increased exponentially. It Philly is really because of the diversity in our architecture? Yeah. We have the ability to allow you to film dif- uh different locations like for example, LA or mm-hmm. Paris. Yeah. You know, without people realizing, oh that's Philly.
2: <laughs> no, for sure. And and for yeah. st- and the tax breaks are just I mean obviously.
1: Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Do you, do you think that that influx of um, you know, more productions shooting in Philly and having that, you know, like actual yeah, just like more productions shooting in Philly has uh kind of increased uh the I guess Philadelphia's interaction with movies and filmmaking and that sphere? Uh than previously has that like resulted in a greater growth of interest I don't know if any of those words made sense but. yeah
1: i don't I don't know i I'll be honest I don't know the numbers, but i just looking at hat blockbusters alone or just what or just what comes out in the mainstream movies in the past uh, decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about all the Mark Wahlberg movies that have come out yeah like, for sure I know he's from Boston but people call him like Philly's like other son or <laughs> or something like that because he all his movies that he films they're here uh, yeah and then like you know M. Night Shyamalan he always makes it a point to film his stuff here in Philly yeah but we so. don't talk about him <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs>
2: Yeah. I mean, he may be an Asian filmmaker, but <laughs> we don't talk about M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. We um, brought dishonor on everyone. I mean, for for many reasons. <laughs> Not the uh, least of which is the Avatar uh,
1: remake. Oh, stop it. That <laughs> broke my heart so much. I always felt like his movies were hit or miss. I loved that cartoon, by the way. It's, I mean, yeah. if you... I don't think you can see, yeah, if you see in yeah. the background,
2: I have my app, like, Aang and Cora poster on my Oh, bed. I do
1: see it. I didn't realize that's what that was. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All, one of my all-time favorite cartoons. It's the best. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Cartoons. Yes. Go on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is, like, a perfect pivot uh, to talk about queerness in, okay. uh, just in a general sense. I mean... Cora being topic. the queer avatar icon, icon of the <laughs>
1: episode,
2: right? Um, okay, but okay. So, so queerness. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. How how we talked a lot about the intentional inclusion of cross cultural programming yeah. in Path. Um, what about queerness? Like how how has the how has PATH treated queer narratives, I guess, in their programming?
1: So I have to give a lot of credit to our program director, again, uh, Rob. He he is so good about including all sorts of different things in our program every year. And honestly, if it, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have a platform. Uh, you know, he... He, um, he, does his, he does his due diligence in what, in what needs to be in the, the program book every year. Um, and every year, I, I really like that the number of queer movies continues to increase. Last year, I think, was a, an incredible big year for us as far as queer movies go, because we, ha- we, had, a, we had a screening of a movie called Signature Move. Have okay. you heard of it? no I haven't oh, totally look it up it's it's a great narrative it was the first time in our and it was during our 10-year anniversary it was the first time ever that we had a narrative of a lesbian starred movie whoa wait as one, yeah 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 I'm looking yeah. at it
2: right now
1: okay there you go <laughs> it was such a big deal it was so great and um and it it did so well it's like one with a bunch of things and like people just really loved it and it was i believe it was one of our centerpieces last year so
2: is this is this the one um directed by jennifer reader about a pakistani muslim yes okay yes
1: with the the wrestling with yeah yep that's it
2: okay yeah. So I'm just going to read the premise out for everybody, because this sounds, like, uh-huh. amazing. Yeah. Okay, so Signature Move so. is about Zainab, a 30-something Pakistani Muslim lesbian in Chicago who takes care of her TV-obsessed mother, Praveen. Praveen sounds like me. Um, as Zainab falls <laughs> for a bold and very bright Mexican woman, she searches for her identity in life, love, and wrestling. What yep.
1: the fuck? Sounds amazing! Yes. Oh, it was so. It's, it was so good. It was so good. We um. I also uh. So one of our community partners for that one uh was Galay, which okay. is a queer Latino social justice group in Philly, and the executive director at the time uh was is of a, a queer Latina named Nikki Lopez who not only was she the executive director of this organization at the time, but she was also a DJ and an amazing, amazing spoken word artist. And I invited her to introduce the movie um, and she fucking killed it, man. She's just like, it, just so inspirational. And I, I heard so many good feedback from other people. And, and that's the kind of inclusion we try to promote at these events.
2: I really really love that because like you I mean we we've talked about inclusion a lot but for me being south asian seeing you like include desi american stories right like is something that's personally like really affecting for me because a lot of times south Asians we don't know whether or not we fit into Asian spaces. I you know, right? of, it really sucks. Yeah. yeah, And so it's it's really. I know that a lot of people are making a push. Um, I as well are making a push to include. They see American and Middle Eastern stories within the Asian American narrative, um, under the like API MEDA uh, acronym. Um, okay. Which is really cool. It's like a. a cool i think uh Capia started doing that a few years oh, ago oh yeah
1: yeah i know them
2: um but yeah to see you doing that i think is so so important um and yeah has you know like how do you i guess like that's the uh, kudos to rob again <laughs>
1: <did you> <laughs> yes rob thank you rob <laughs>
2: i mean that's that's really cool because it um it's breaking down the way in which we look at Asians, right? Like, you know, it, it's, uh, you're creating this film festival and this, like, set of programming of stories that by virtue of them being from different perspectives, from different identities, are challenging this assumption that Asian is this Eastern Asian Orientalist monolith. And that, in fact, you know, like, Asian is not one thing, right? Like it's, it's a blasion mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. this Pakistani Muslim American wrestler. Um, yep. you know, like it's a half Latinx, half Asian person. Mm-hmm. It is somebody mm-hmm. from Southeast Asia. And that's like, really, do you like, I don't know. Like, that's just really, really cool. I don't think I have a question. I think it's just like, <laughs> it, there are s- some film festivals that don't really have that, that intentionality of including
1: um no no, not at all you know
2: anyone west of i guess like thailand or something
1: yeah yeah i i think what's so so in philly we actually have a lot of different film festivals we so i mentioned the black star film festival then there's us path right then we have the qflix which is our queer film festival And then we have um, the Jewish Film Festival, the Latino Film Festival. And I think because that there was a demand for that. Um, Crap, I lost my train of thought. Um, (laughs) Well, oh, what I wanted to say is, but with the Asian Film Festival, Asian is still such a broad term. Yeah, like, what is Asia? Yeah, like, in, like, in Middle America, people think of Asian as Chinese. Oh, yeah, like, the Chinese food that I get on the corner. Maybe Japanese, because I like sushi, you know? Yeah. Um, So, I think it's even more important for a film festival like us to be so inclusive, to create awareness, because... it's just, you know, there's so much like racism and so much like stereotypes out there. Like when I was growing up as a kid, like I had kids coming up to me and I was like second, third grade and they're coming up to me making these ching chong noises with their eyes slanted and like calling me chink. And I'm like, I'm Vietnamese American, by the way, and I'm just, like, what's a (laughs) chink?" Later to realize it's a slang for Chinese, but I was, like, I'm not Chinese. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: But what, I mean,
1: like, that's, yeah. Yeah, People don't know what Asian
2: is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, people don't know what Asian is, like, and then, and then, like, with crazy rich Asians coming out, and people are, like, Singapore? Where's that? Like, are you serious? the w- most
2: wild part about rich asians was that people were like whoa asia isn't this destitute third world country and right it's like, we're not just immigrants it's and refugees like, <laughs> it's like, uh, who do you think holds the united states debt it's like, like, right but yeah yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> asian isn't one thing and and that's like really cool to see a festival um that is about storytelling, telling stories about Asians not being one thing.
1: Like, Ah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, go, go. I'm so glad that you mentioned the word storytelling. I think that that's a a big key word here. I like to tell people that we provide a platform for people to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just the other day, I I was talking to, we have a group here in Chinatown called the Philly Sons. And after one of the volleyball practices with you, if I did a little spiel on the film festival, and I said that we share, we have culturally relevant programming, and they like like all these blank stares. That <laughs> a lot of them are in high school, and I was like, who knows what that means? So like nobody raises their hands, and I'm like, okay. And then you know, I go through the spiel about like Hollywood and how they stereotype the the characters, and and it's it's you know, usually you see them as, like, sidekicks or, like, the geeky IT tech person. Yeah. And instead, I said, at the film festival, it's different. You see more stories. You see people have an opportunity to tell their stories that most people outside of the Asian community don't realize how much they can relate to it. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. Um, I always like to say that, I mean, like, people are so caught up in wanting to tell a specific story and have it relate Mm -hmm. to a specific group of people. But, and in, actually I'm saying this reversed. Um, We get caught up in wanting to appeal to everyone and having like the broadest sense of appeal. And so we try to make movies that are like going to appeal to everyone. But in reality, it's when you tell a specific story about one person, Mm -hmm that's the most universal story that you can get because it's in Mm -hmm. telling one person's journey that you're able to have people connect to various aspects of that story and feel like they're seen, maybe not fully, but like, you know, I'd rather like watch a story, like, you know, like watch that, that movie about a Pakistani Mm -hmm. wrestler and like, I'm not Pakistani, but I'm an athlete, right? Like, And that's, like, a Pakistani wrestler is, like, a very specific story, right? Very specific. So specific. But, you know, like, so many people can relate to being an athlete, right? Or, like, falling in love with somebody. And it it doesn't have to be, like, let me tell you this, like, very, like, blank story that integrates every single storytelling.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, Hollywood is so focused on the numbers and they're so afraid that the audience won't get it. And, you know, it's just like the the, the audience. Oof. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So well, back to
2: queerness. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so stoked about that movie. I only want to watch Signature Move for the rest of my life. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I like I guarantee you I'm just like after we hang up on this call, I'm going to like hunt down the (laughs) contact for the filmmakers and be like, hey, listen, can I be your friend?
1: Good, Um, good. I'm sure they'd love it. I'm sure they would love it. Make sure you tell them that you learned about them through us.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm really curious about for you. Um as a queer person, um, being involved in programming or around programming about queer Asian stories like I don't know like how has that impacted you on a on a personal level um how has queer Asian representation like impacted you in a general sense?
1: Oh man this is such I never know how to answer this question um (laughs) I so Uh, You know, when I came to Philly for school, my biggest, one of my big goals was to find a LGBTQ community, because where I grew up in the Amish country, there really was none of that. I remember maybe one or two classmates who were out would come with me to the local university's uh, Queer Straight Alliance meetings. To hang out with other queers. And they were totally okay with us being there, which I thought was amazing. Thank you, Millersville University. <laughs> and so coming to Philly, there is such a you know, much more larger population. And I eventually started finding my people, so to speak. And after college, I started realizing, man, there's really not a whole lot of Asians in Philly and then a couple and and that was a little bit of a struggle but I kind of at that point because I grew up in such a predominantly white area Mm -hmm. I I kind of just accepted it as the norm Mm -hmm. and then a few years later I discovered a group in Philly called Hot Pot and yeah (laughs) that was that was really cool. And they would meet once a month with potlucks and they were queer Asians. Um, but to my surprise, they were Asians from like all over the place. Like um, a- everywhere from Korea to Singapore to China. And so I point that out because I realized a lot of them did not, even though they were Asian, they didn't have the same immigrant story background like I did Uh, so they were
2: they were from they didn't they weren't born in the United States they were like from Korea
1: some of them some of them were international students okay yeah some of them were international students some of them came from families who chose to come to America some of them were mixed some of them had like a, a white dad and an Asian mom, whatever their ethnicity was. Yeah, um, yeah, and and that in itself, I guess I, I had been in Philly for like eight years at that point, and that in itself was such a culture shock to me. Uh, <clears throat> so, just, so then after that, um, what was the question again? My, my the impact on queer Asian?
2: Yeah, I guess representation. <laughs> Asian-ness.
1: Such a loaded yeah.
2: question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, it's really interesting yeah. when you're talking about that group and how they they weren't interacting with being Asian in the same way that you were interacting with it. Was that kind of what you were saying?
1: Mm-hmm. Can you like yeah. what what do you mean by that? Yeah. I, Well, I'll be honest with you, Uh, I actually kind of felt, and some of them were also from California, which my my understanding has a very different um, vibe compared to the East Coast. I feel like as far as Asian activism goes, it's very, it seems to be very prominent on the West Coast, and I think that's because it's just a larger population, right? Yeah. Like, especially with, like, the Chinese and the Japanese, Yeah. okay, uh, if we're looking at it historically, and so... Oh a lot of that was instilled in them, and I think that they grew up with that, where me, growing up with a predominantly white area and then just always trying, I was always taught to try to blend in, right, not calling attention yeah. to myself so that I could just get by in a day and not yeah, have yeah. somebody yell racial slurs at me so uh, I'll be honest, um I had a huge I had a disconnect with many of those people in that group. Um and to no fault of theirs I just couldn't find a connection with them and from that point on I, I I didn't really I guess again I went back to I guess this is the norm this is just how it is and I, I never really searched for a queer Asian connection again until maybe more recently with the film festival as a as more things are coming up in politics and stuff and, and more mm-hmm. exposure, like the Gaijin Project, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're showing that there's a, more of a population out there.
2: <clears throat> I I fully echo... Um, Did any of that make what, sense? No, no. It, <laughs> uh, because growing up, I I have, like, a very similar uh, interaction with my Asianness uh as to what you're saying. Because I grew up in, uh, hmm. like, rural Northern California, like the county that I grew up in completely voted for Trump. Um, It's, you know, not very wealthy. Um, So, and it's predominantly white. Uh, So I was one of very, very few um, South Asian families there. And then there are also um, like a small Laotian population that like became bigger when I was like in high school. But I mean, mm-hmm. still so, like tiny, tiny, tiny pockets. Um, and so growing up, like a lot of it was leaning into whiteness and trying mm-hmm. to mask like my Asianness. You know, like what made me different. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it was like a balancing act between masking it and trying to like survive through the day, and then kind of leaning into some of the cool parts to be like, look okay. at me, like. <clears throat> you know, like, look at this exotic thing about me that makes me cool. So pay attention to me and allow me to be in the in-group, which is mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. not great.
2: Um, no, not at, but, at all. But I totally <laughs> echo what you're saying. Like, it's it's a weird, like, I have, and I think I still do have a strained relationship with my Asianness compared to, you know, like, people I know who grew up in San Francisco, where, like, there is a huge Asian community and Mm -hmm. we're being Mm -hmm. proud of your ethnicity, proud of your culture. Um, wasn't something that you had to be afraid of or you had to hide. Yeah. Like you you had that group. Um, and so I still kind of like, I struggle a little bit with that when I talk to different folks in activism circles who are like Hmm. so down with being Asian, you know, like, they have like, um, a different sort of pride in there. Asianness and their culture and ethnicity than I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I oftentimes, like, I struggle to interact with it because of this defense mechanism to not, you Whoa. know, like, where it's just like, I don't know if I want to keep associating with you and your pride in being Asian-ness because I'm worried that it's going to single me out for various forms of discrimination. Like if that like a it's a very internalized like, uh, yeah, shitty like distancing from that. that
1: That's intense,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. but it's something that I'm realizing um, you know like as I've gotten older and as I've been like no like I want to interact you know like I want to know who I am I want to be proud of my ethnicity I want to you know, have that connection to my people and especially with other Asian Americans, because the Asian American narrative is one that is so unique uh, as compared to other immigrant stories um, or ch- children. It's
1: of so parents. wide.
2: So weird. And right. Like it, there's just so many aspects so to different. it.
1: Different. It's so different too. It's so many different aspects. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So like, as I've been wanting to like connect to that and like, you know like you were saying find my people and and you know yeah. like a space where like i see myself and feel included um mm-hmm. it's really been like a confrontation of that interaction with asianness if that makes yeah. sense like whoa yeah. like that's right. a
1: lot of internalized racism <laughs> going mm, on there. Yeah. it's a lot yeah i i i want to say a big thing for me that stands out is that it's quite lonely You know, I am in this huge city that is a sanctuary city where all these refugees come. We have this amazing Asian American film festival. We have pockets of all these different Asian cultures. Like, even in the town that I grew up, there was a Vietnamese community there. Lancaster was one of three different posting stations throughout the country where Vietnamese refugees were placed. and. But like, I still feel a sense of loneliness because I don't meet many other queer Vietnamese Americans. And when I do, I want to, like, I I think I can like name maybe, maybe like two to, I know, I know I know more, but off the top of my head, I can name like two to three people right now. And they're, they're like acquaintances in my periphery of circles, right? Um, I don't like we just I don't connect with them whether it's yeah I
2: kind of I I I understand that a lot it's it's one of those things where it's like hard to put into words Uh where you're like you're craving that connection with somebody like you and then you meet them and then you don't know Mm -hmm. how to connect really and -hmm. you're not sure what that is Uh because it's like oh like we're you know like we're queer and we're Vietnamese, or for me, it's like I'll meet another queer South Asian person, and I'll be like so stoked about it. Yeah, and that's something that there, you know, like we don't connect fully in a way that like I expect to, and mm-hmm. I like don't know, I don't know what that is, but it is low, you know, like I, I don't know, is yeah. that that large degree of loneliness. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and I just wonder, like, I think in, if we were to take the queer and the Asian part out of this equation, and it's like you're just meeting somebody, it's yeah. hit or miss. You connect with somebody or you don't. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's, is what's happening in this instance. I only have met a handful of queer Vietnamese Americans in my life. So that's like five. <laughs> 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 so, like, the chances of me connecting with one of those five people, I don't know, out of, like, how many millions live in this country? (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, and, like, we put so much expectations on, like, aha, a queer Vietnamese person, I'm, you know, like, I should connect with them, and we put so much (laughs) expectation, and, like, on that, that it's, what, don't connect with that person, you're, like, wait, what is happening? (laughs) Um, how how has <laughs> right. seeing, um, maybe in, I mean queer Asian representation is obviously insanely
1: lacking in, yes. you know, in terms of like and that's experience. probably a contributor too right
2: yeah, but i I was wondering for you um has there you know like as you've been um you know like searching for that that community and like that belonging? Is there anything that, like, really stands out for you as being representation that helped you along that way?
1: A representation that helps me along the way?
2: I mean, I know for me, um, when I was writing my senior thesis uh, in undergrad, uh, I... Sorry, that was my dog. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, when I was writing my senior thesis in, uh, undergrad, I watched all of The Good Wife and there's a character on The Good Wife. I love Wife. that show. It's amazing. Uh, named Kalinda Sharma, who is a-
1: Yes! In, oh, she is so hot. Bisexual, okay. right, <laughs> yeah, okay. She's
2: <laughs> <Is> Indian, <laughs> she's queer, um, and yeah. just unapologetically so, and like- oh, amazing, yes. It was- brilliant representation because like her queerness was incidental and it didn't need to be explained. Like it, it wasn't yes. uh, an aspect that existed to, you know, push Carrie August's story forward or um, right. Alicia's story forward. It was just right. who she was. It was
1: there. It
2: was yeah. there. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: like, I think it sucks that it took till what, like I was 21 to see representation like that, that like, I was like, oh, I too am Indian and queer. <laughs> like, um, right. but it also, it came at a time in my life where I was trying to become more comfortable in my queerness. It was like I was out, but I was still kind of ashamed of it and uncomfortable in claiming that identity is my own. And so to huh. see Kalinda just like kick ass in those like knee high boots and leather jackets, I, know,
1: I was like, I was that like yeah, awesome. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that that's really empowering. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if there's like anything like that that stands out for you. Uh,
1: no, no. And so I think it it doesn't and. Because of that, I think I actually stopped looking. I kind of was just like, uh, okay, like, yeah, yeah. Isn't that? It sounds really depressing, right? I just stopped looking. But so that makes sense because you just—it's
2: like when you keep looking and you don't find anything. It's hard to keep hoping.
1: I think, in a certain sense. And and so part of that in the in the stopping. That took a lot of, uh, is that true? I, I want to say that ha, I took some soul searching in that, too, and just trying to look into myself and figure out, well, you know what? You're more than just queer and Vietnamese. Like, there's other things about you, too. And what are those things in yourself that can help you identify in the real world and relate in the real world? Yeah. Um, and, and that I think is through art and through music. My background is graphic design and I, uh, marketing and I love to go dancing. I'm a huge house head. I I love going to EDM (laughs) shows. Um, um, I, I love making my own costumes and going to burner parties and I eventually found other identities. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, that does. Yeah. I think that's like, that's such a valuable thing to always remember that like, we aren't just one thing, like our queerness and our Asian-ness is, mm-hmm. you know, like undoubtedly a part of who we are, but it mm-hmm. isn't entirely, you know, like it it uh-huh. isn't the only thing that we are. Yeah. Which, I mean, bringing it back to the programming that you all do and the representation that we see coming out of, you know, like, more independent filmmaking avenues, mm-hmm. I think that's something that people are embracing more and more, like, showing that, like, you can tell a queer Asian narrative without it being solely about queerness. Totally. And Asian-ness,
1: right? Absolutely. Like, I'm so glad you said that, because that's a perfect segue yes. <laughs> into one <laughs> of, so we do shorts every year. Yes, and tell me about the shorts for the yes. program. So for people that are listening, all of our shorts except for one this year are free. So you should check out our program uh, at paff.org and check it out. The shorts that we have, one of the shorts that we have this year is called the Intergeneration and Overseas Perspectives on Queer Identities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a program uh, a mixed program between overseas Asian and uh-huh. Asian American stories, and it incorporates a wide variety of ethnic cultures and attitudes. I want to say both positive and negative towards queerness, largely. That's really cool. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. At the, the the
2: program right now.
1: <laughs> cool. So and so you can see that it's it's a pretty wide range that yeah, that is so. there.
2: Um, a couple of the ones that stand out to me are um, Salamagon, that is about a Filipino woman coming out to her Catholic mother, <laughs> uh, which is awesome. Um, I mean, I think just based on the fact that we don't really talk about Filipino, you know, Filipino stories. Yep, um, yep. A Pakistani transgender, yes! uh huh, yep. Which love, I recently, um, we work with a, uh, an Indian trans or uh, activism organization. Uh-huh. That's not the right. The structuring of that sentence. Uh, we work with this group called the Aravani art project, which is, um, an activism group in Bangalore, India that uses oh. art as a way to empower the trans community. So oh, it's really, so cool. really
1: cool
2: to see, you know, more stories of South Asian trans people and, yeah. like, different perspectives of that because that experience is, like, so different from, like, Bangalore, yes. India to Pakistan. Yes, so
1: yes, awesome. yes. And FYI, the, the Pakistan, uh, the Pakistan um, that actress, that's Pakistan's first trans actress. I think her name is Kami Sid. And she was just profiled recently by BuzzFeed. Uh, I'm happy to give you the link to that. And you can include yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. In yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. That's oh my God. I'm I'm <laughs> I,
2: I like kind of just like want to fly out to Philly for like one day to see all of this. Hey.
1: Yeah, you should. <laughs> we'll find <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. Let's do it. I I'm I always like to look at the glass half full. That's my life mantra. Right. If you want to uh, do it, we'll figure it out. <laughs>
2: let's do it um uh, no this is so you, this is cool so like it's an intentional um marriage of perspectives from you know like a western yeah. perspective and then you know like from the homelands the motherlands right
1: yeah. yeah 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 no it's largely based in the concept of intergenerational conflict um or differences uh-huh. in social norms right between generations yeah. um in either context and Uh, several of the films tell coming out stories and yeah Yeah. that's that's really awesome I think a
2: lot of times like the Asian American like as Asian Americans at least speaking for myself
0: Uh I can be
2: very like still a very petulant teenager to my parents. (laughs) You don't understand. You don't get it. You don't get what it's like growing up in the United States. Um, And that like intergenerational like conflict, whether it be something that's like, you know, very big or as small as like, you don't get what Tinder is or what dating is because you've got arranged marriage, right? Yeah. I think that's something that like you know, like we need to talk more about and to have like more exposure to that. And I, I mean, like, I was talking with somebody recently and they said that she was just like, I need to give my my immigrant mother more credit and my immigrant parents like more credit. And I was like, that's oh. that's we were talking about um, it was with Crystal B. Wegner. Um, if any of you listening out there has listened to previous episodes. Uh but Crystal and I were talking about, like, coming out to our parents and, like, interacting with our parents about dating and how it's not necessarily about whether we're dating somebody of the same gender. Um, it's just the fact that we're dating at all is hard to bring up with our parents. Uh, but yeah. in various interactions with my parents and, and with her parents, um, we've, we've, like, our parents have surprised us. Like, we go into these things, like, expecting them to be... Um, you know conservative or not able to understand our like 21st century American uh, perspective when in fact they 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 totally do and and it was such like a learning lesson you know like for us to be like hey we need to give them more credit and to like you know like have you know just give them more credit essentially
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I I agree with you uh, when I was growing up, I definitely had the same viewpoints on my family and my, on my parents, and, because they were so freaking conservative, and they were so controlling, <laughs> and they were just like, yeah. like, my mom was, like, the type of person that she, uh, what was that, uh, America's Most Wanted? Do you remember that show? Yeah, yeah. Oh, because of that freaking show, I was never allowed to do sleepovers. Because she was always like, well, what if, like, your friend's dad, like, touches you? I'm like, oh, oh my god. god. My goodness, mom. And, like, so, like, as I grew into my teen years and realized, like, how much of a, a black sheep I was, like, oh, I'm gay. Like, oh, I like to go and do things that doesn't, you know, you know, like to go do things that would go against the cultural code. And then fast forward to post college when i went to fly to vietnam and i met my mom's side of the family for the first time ever in my life oh. like her brothers and sisters and they would tell me these stories about my mom how like oh yeah your mom had this reputation across all the villages and like <laughs> nobody nobody messed with your mom like your mom like she got into an argument with one of her teachers once and grabbed the ruler and like hit him with it and never came back to school oh and my then, god what a boss yeah <laughs> like what my mom are you kidding yes okay anyways <laughs> yeah my mom.
2: that that's i mean like intergenerally like we need to do more of that like yeah.
1: as a blanket statement for all asian americans we gotta do better
2: with our parents
1: you know we do. yeah we do yeah. we gotta give them more credit they 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 understand more than we realize like absolutely yeah. and i
2: think that like that's the same um I think that thought process is the same thing when we're talking about uh telling these quote unquote niche stories of being Asian. It's like a lot of people are like, "No, uh it's too niche. Audiences won't connect." But in reality, it's just like our you know, like it's like our parents. There are so many crossovers between our experiences that like yeah, maybe I'm not going to fully understand what it's like growing up in a catholic filipino home Uh but i do understand the from my own experiences what it's like to grow up in a household or in a culture that's so heavily imbued with religion and religious expectations right um or being from a culture that the western world has no idea what you like are you asian or are you latin you know like i understand what that's like um and so that, that's only going to make me want to see that that short more, yeah. Uh, right. Then, right. as opposed to not making me want to see it, because it's like, hey, like, I see this thing that's so different from who I am. Yet there's a storyline through it that I yeah. relate to. So maybe in going and seeing this thing that I yeah. can connect with. Um, at just one tiny level I can learn so much more about a different experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. When I when Crazy Rich Asians screened, um we got we had the opportunity to be a part of the Gold Open. Yeah. And yeah. And I took one of my housemates and he's he's a cisgender white male. Uh had no idea what he was getting into and was like, all right, sure, I'll go. And I I took him to the movie and he loved it. Like he was just like, I just, like, I had no idea. Like, I felt like I was there. I totally felt like I could connect. I, like, I, I understood what, what the character was going through. And and this was information that he just voluntarily gave me. I didn't have to, like, prompt him to say this. I was so, like, floored when I heard him. I was like, yeah, it's, everyone can relate. Yeah. Oh, Crazy Rich Asians.
2: <laughs> the most successful romantic comedy in, like, uh,
1: decades.
0: Yeah. But-
2: us. um yeah. so on this on your programming so we have this amazing intergenerational shorts program
0: on yeah. queer yeah. identity
2: um what other like cool queer narratives can you know people look out for
1: or yeah.
2: I be sad that yeah. I'm missing out on <laughs>
1: oh no we gotta figure out how to get you out here I know, okay man. Uh, th- this year we have a total of four screenings or four programs that relate to queerness two of them I have talked about already which is wait did I talk about two already one of them I talked about was the queer shorts Mm -hmm. there's another one I talked about earlier which one was it I think it was for Izzy yes thank you yes for Izzy which uh so um, that one is about a queer photojournalist who is a recovering addict and this friends a uh, autistic girl and just talks about how they become a family and how they impact each other's life it's really cool really really cool really well done and i also for people who love spoken word poetry there's a really cool spoken word element to it that's integrated into the story um, awesome Yeah, it's really good. And then uh, the third one is called Ladies Ladies in Waiting. It is actually co-directed by three PATH alums. And yeah, it is uh, about a Tongan man. And it talks about the Native uh, Hawaiian culture's conceptualization of middle gender. Um, Oh. Yeah, one of the um, one of the directors is a trans woman, and uh, the name is Hina Wong Kalu, and they add a really interesting perspective of a trans woman. Um, She she understands and and empathizes with the subjects um, with the subjects from her own lived experience. So she she brings a really awesome perspective to the directing. Uh, And then the last one which is going to be winning two awards from our festival this year is called call her Ganda. Uh, it's going to be it's getting the best doc feature the documentary feature and the the hey Mahone social change award uh, it did very well on the queer film festival circuit and it's being distributed by breaking glass pictures which okay. is based here in philly so okay. woot woot to philly uh, Breaking Glass Pictures is, by the way, owned by TLA for anybody who knows who TLA is. And uh, the director of the film is going to be doing uh, guest lectures at Temple and Drexel University on the 14th and 15th of November for anybody who is in town. Huh. I need to fly <laughs> <out>. <laughs> it's a lot of good stuff. It's a lot of good yeah, stuff. That's really cool. Um, and that's just the queer stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah I know this is just the queer I mean obviously I'm going to highlight the queer stuff but yeah 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 I mean that i just from the queer programming alone like that's such a cross-section of experiences that mm-hmm. you know like we don't really get to see and I think what's so cool about it um is that there are a lot of um, stories that you guys are, are telling or allowing, Mm -hmm. providing a platform to be told, right? Um, Exactly, yes. About, uh, queerness in a way that celebrates the fact that it is not something that is new to Asian cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think a lot of times we, I mean, I include myself in this, um, You know, like, I come at it from this, like, very American-centric perspective that queerness is new. Like, it's this new thing, and that uh, because of colonization, my parents won't understand. Like, India doesn't understand queerness. Mm -hmm. When in reality, like, you look at, you know, the wide swath of, like, Asian cultures from, you know, like, the Middle East all the way over to Korea and, like, the Philippines and everything. Mm -hmm. queerness is not new no it's 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 so ingrained in the culture and that's what's so exciting like hearing you talk about this programming that like (laughs) there is a celebration of that it may not be like on its face but like there is this undercurrent of celebration in that which I think is great
1: I never thought about it that way before. I like that, the celebration. I, I agree with you. It's not new, but unfortunately, I think the problem is people have forgotten about the history Uh of it, you know? And so in a way it's new, just, and just that people haven't talked about it. They've lost the words to describe it, to what, to what it is. Um, and so I like that you use the word celebration because it's almost like a rediscovery. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. I like that.
2: <laughs> um, are there <laughs> are there any other like cool uh, you know, maybe not like queer focused uh narratives uh that you're really, really stoked about for this this film festival that you want to shout oh, yeah. out that people I, go check out?
1: I just, so I, I have a few that I'm really interested in. I, well, I, I love food, so there's one that in particular called Ulam, and it's about Filipino food across America, so okay. that should be really interesting. Amazing. Yeah, just, like, how it's, like, uh, quote-unquote trending now, but, like, really, it's always been here, <laughs> yeah. right? So, like, yeah, uh, so I'm really excited about that one. That's going to be one of our centerpieces. Um, another big one that is also also another centerpiece is Fictions and Realities, and that one is with uh, Bobby Choi, who not only directed it but is also featuring in it. And um, it's about a, a Korean musician from New York City who goes back to Korea and is just trying to figure himself out and sings and writes music and like finds a girl over there. So it's like a cute comedy. Rom-com. Um, God, I could just keep going. There's another one called Surviving Bokator, and that one is about the resurrection of an ancient Cambodian martial art. And um. yeah, and it's but and the the generation of the genocide from Cambodia and how they are trying to get the youth to reclaim this ancient art before it's forgotten. Yeah, um, and I think the biggest one, which. Is is definitely going to be a sellout. So for those that are listening, if you're interested, get your tickets now because there's not a whole lot left. It is for Norman Mineta, an um, American legacy, and he's uh, a he just has an, a, he's the uh, first uh, Asian American in, to have just this amazing uh, history with politics and serving two different administrations and like. Just he's just done amazing things. And he's actually gonna be there wow. at the screening.
2: Okay. Yeah, so like <laughs> buy your tickets yesterday. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, um, that's amazing. Uh, I have to so say going on. Yeah, like that's oh my
1: God, why am I not in, like, <laughs> like when people ask me about this film festival, i am always like it's more than just movies. Like There's, we have art exhibits, we have chef demos, we have art demos. Yeah. So like what? I need to come (laughs) to the weekend. What? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's just so much. We've got musical performances. Like we have workshops and conferences. There's just like so much happening, and a lot of it is free. A lot of it is free. Yes, that's amazing. No, I mean, like, for everybody listening,
2: I don't care if you, like, live in Philly or <laughs> you are, like, an hour away. I don't know. I don't care where you live. If you are close enough to Philly to get there um, and you're able to get there with ease and afford it, yeah. do it and go to yeah. this festival. Um, yeah,
1: absolutely. Like it's,
2: I mean, like, like Quinn is saying, like, so much of it is free. And just the shorts program alone, dude like grab mm-hmm. your train tickets like jump mm-hmm. in a zip car or whatever mm-hmm. and like drive <laughs> and and go see yeah. this stuff because like you know there we have such rare opportunities to have such amazing ease of mm-hmm. access to these stories uh mm-hmm. and like this is one of those 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 avenues yeah. for you to have that uh yeah. and should sure, absolutely. Take advantage of. We her. have
1: all major forms of transportation that come to Philly. We are a transportation hub. Amtrak comes here. Greyhound comes here. Major highways come through here. If you're really diehard, the international airport's here. I mean, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the one like on a plane, like red right out <laughs> to Philly, just being like, I I need to see. what oh, yeah,
1: you're. Red Eye, you're cost efficient. I get it.
2: I love it. Um, I am so stoked to hear you talk about that uh, the movie about Filipino food because I am a slut for food. Like, totally cultural experiences through food. Like, uh, uh, David Chang's show Ugly Delicious was on Netflix. That's like one of the best things that I have ever seen. I don't, have you, did you watch that? I have no idea. what. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. I oh, okay.
1: Seen
0: I'm so, writing it down
2: right now. <laughs> you have to go watch the show. And to everybody listening who hasn't seen this, uh, go watch Ugly Delicious on Netflix. It's done by chef David Chang, who's a Korean American chef, uh, who is the dude that did Momofuku, Noodle Bar. Um, oh, every, yeah. cool. As was like big restaurants um and so he did the show that's kind of like uh, inspired by the Anthony Bourdain way of uh you know treating food and culture but for him there's this through line of how we treat uh different I don't know like genres of food um in relation to Asian foods so oh interesting so, okay, one of, like, the best uh, examples of this is he does an episode on dumplings and how, okay. like, almost every cuisine, every culture has some form of dumpling in it, right? Like, um, right. tortellina, yes. not tortellina, Ooh. but I, du- there are dumplings. I know in what the you
1: mean. That I can't yes. remember
2: the name of. But, um, I know what you mean, yes. And then you have, like, pierogies and things like that.
1: Yeah, pierogies. Um, Gnocchi, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, gnocchi, yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh
2: And so he he talks a lot about like, why is it that when dumplings are almost like this universal thing through cuisines, that when we are considering dumplings in an Asian connotation, so like dim sum, we expect to go to a dim sum restaurant and get really great food for really cheap. Like, we're not going to go to a gym someplace and pay a lot of money to get good food. We want to get really great food for not a lot of money. Whereas when we want to go get gnocchi, we want to go to, like, we want to pay a ton of money
1: for really great gnocchi. Right. So why is that? Melt in your mouth, gnocchi. Yeah.
2: No. So why is that? And and it's like, he looks at the fact that it's like the same, um, you know, like, intense uh preparation for both of them and same like right. you know grandmothers creating these amazing delicacies but like why is it that we think of them in such different ways um yeah it's this is this is my promotional
0: <laughs> i promise um, that
2: this podcast was not sponsored by by Ugly <laughs> no. but david Chang, yes. if you are my friend <laughs>
1: i'm down <laughs> hi david chang come be our friend <laughs> there's a that makes me think of this podcast called second wave
0: wow okay and
1: it, it explores the vietnamese american refugee experience and challenges and the challenges that the community faces because um, it's been like what four decades since the end of the war of the yeah. vietnam war right yeah. and one of the episodes that she goes into is about pho. And like, oh. like to your point about why is it that we spend uh, this amount of money for dim sum, and then why we spend a higher amount of money for gnocchi. And uh, she she apply, she talks about that with fa. Like what? Like fa is super cheap. People go to it because it's super cheap and it's super delicious. But there's like a certain of uh, um, the like but there's like a certain history to it and if the right person is making it a certain authenticity to it and like why wouldn't you pay more money for good pho yeah like like and so and she kind of talks about like the whole like is like race a part of this like what's the deal here like why can't why can't a vietnamese person charge money a, a large amount of money for pho But then, and then she references uh, this really, really interesting scandal with Bon Appetit a few years ago. Did you hear about this?
2: I feel like I'm familiar with it. (laughs) So they did,
1: they did this piece on, they did put out a YouTube video about how to eat pho, and they, yeah, yeah, and they had a white man on your computer screen telling you how to eat pho, and he was the owner of a restaurant called Stock in Philadelphia that makes pho and people were like so furious like there are a gazillion pho restaurants in philly why did you go to the one that was owned by a white guy and like and he charges like out the wazoo for his pho and like like how does he get away with that but like not like the local Vietnamese person who was like who has been doing this since probably since she was like eight
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, that's like, and that's why I'm like stoked to hear about programming like that, that the Filipino yes. food. Break. Right. And exactly. Like,
1: yes. It's you like
2: talking. Yeah, no, no. It's like totally about like talking about food, about Asian food from an Asian perspective. It's like, yeah, let, you know, like David Chang is doing. It's like, let us explore this resurgence or, you know, like popularity of Filipino food from a Filipino perspective, like what you know, like what does that mean? And I think that's so. I mean, rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain. I love all of the stuff that he did, and he was amazing. But there's so many things that, as a white Italian New Yorker, right, that he would never understand. um, Yeah, you know that this Filipino filmmaker is going to understand you know like there's such yes. a personal
0: food yeah. is
2: culture right like yeah. food is culture food is a life for so yeah. many people and definitely for yeah. asians right yeah and so to have that's like that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> really i like that I we mean, went on a food tangent just now <laughs> yeah no i mean best like food, I love, food is like the best and and so yeah. that's i, mean, I yeah Basically, all the things that you up, I'm just like, God damn it, I left Philly way too early. I need to come back. Oh, man. Um, Can you schedule?
1: Somehow? Uh, I know. Your visit?
2: Refigure it. <laughs> like, sorry, parents, I'm going to go to Philly for Thanksgiving. Um, Well, Quinn, I am so glad that I had a chance to talk to you. Yes. And hear so much more about PATH and get to just. Like, Scream about how much I'm jealous! I'm not there. Um, <laughs> I'm really, really hoping that like the people that are listening to this, you know, get their asses up and go see these amazing like get to be involved and experience all of this because these, you know, like we don't have a lot of a- you know there are a lot of Asian film festivals, mm-hmm. but then there also are a lot of Asian film festivals. Yeah.
1: yeah so you got to sure. get it while it's hot. <laughs> you yep. got
2: to get the while it's steaming. I guess. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, well
2: Stevie. Yeah, um, no, and thank you. Yeah, I I mean, okay, so the last thing I'd like to ask my guests before we sign off is who is your Bayesian of the week? Oh, my Bayesian so of the week. Anyone, any Asian uh, who is inspiring you, somebody that you're like super stoked
1: about, Huh, Patient of the Week. I don't know if I have um one of the week, but I wanna say one that um okay. Let me think here, let me think here, let me think here. Goodness. Um Okay. Uh her name is on the tip of my tongue, I'm trying to remember. Uh I don't know names, but like I, um, the the, the Korean the the Korean woman from um, Hawaii Five O, Grace? Um, Grace Grace Park? Park is that her name? Yeah,
2: Grace Park.
1: Yeah, is it? Uh, uh, she, you know, she always comes to mind when I think about. Um, yeah, Grace Park. Oh my yeah. gosh, she's thirty four. Sorry. Oh, I didn't even know that. Uh, but like her and Daniel Day Kim, I, so maybe I have two. Okay. I have two. Okay. I, I, I found it so admirable when that whole thing happened with CBS and the whole salary thing. And they mm-hmm. found out that their counterparts were getting paid more. And, and when they asked for more money, like it wasn't given to them. And honestly, if you like watch a show, I used to watch a show and yeah. they, they pretty, they have like pretty equal roles in the storytelling. Um, And then I stopped watching it after they left, like just, you know, to be unified with them. And also because I wasn't as interested in the storyline anymore, but I found it so admirable that they left the show when they, when there was an inequality there happening. And um, I, 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 you know, who does that? Like, I don't know. That just, and you know, growing up with, with Asian parents who like came to this country from fleeing a war and like taught me to like hustle and work hard and do whatever you need to do to make money and to provide yourself with a life. Right. And they would be so furious if I just like up and left my job without a backup. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I just think it's so admirable that these people were able to do that now. Okay. Maybe it's like a different level they're because they're hollywood and whatnot but like you get what i'm trying to say
2: no absolutely yeah. I mean, hollywood is still like a super you know volatile industry yeah.
1: especially if exactly you're right writers,
2: right like it's yeah. still
1: yeah right
2: I, yeah yeah
1: d- and d- they were kind of yeah. just like yeah. screw you i'll find work somewhere else and they were able to do that and yeah. i think that there's a less the, the if we were to take the salary storyline out of this, there's still a lesson to be learned in that they understood their value. Yeah. And they they went elsewhere to seek um you know affirmation on that value. And I think everybody can learn from that. Like I I feel like that's a lesson I learned very recently in the last couple years and I I wish I learned that earlier in my career as a graphic designer. Um yeah. Just like learning your value and like, yeah, and
2: don't be afraid to ask for it and fight. Yeah,
1: for Yeah, yeah, totally. And like, you know, now I'm in a place where I understand what I can bring to the table, and I'm not afraid to ask for a certain anything, whether it's like, you know, a package or a compensation, or just like needing certain um, a certain environment. And I'm like also like not afraid to go looking for it somewhere else like life has taught me that if you do well and you know how well how again this I keep bringing this word value up like it, life will provide somehow
2: yeah I think that's awesome <laughs> so yeah Dude, give so I guess Daniel. lessons lessons learned give our immigrant
1: parents more credit
2: uh, <laughs> thanks your thank you, mom and dad I know <laughs> I don't
1: tell you often enough but I do love you <laughs>
2: And go, I mean, the third and most important lesson, go see PATH movies. That's like. Yes. come Go to PATH. Yes. Go see amazing movies. Go. If you see Quinn, tell her how amazing.
1: (laughs) Please come say hi to me. Uh, And if you give me consent, I'll even give you a big hug. Philadelphia Asian American Film Festival. P-A-A-F-F dot org. We're on Facebook. We got a website,
2: yeah, yeah. We Shout out stuff. your socials. Uh, where can people stock? Uh,
1: path. Uh, mm-hmm. oh my god, why don't I know this? You know, marketing director should know <laughs> this. oh, <right>? uh, <laughs> uh, if I had my other committee members here, they'd be able to tell me. <laughs> uh, it is, oh, goodness gracious.
2: <laughs> Can start playing the Jeopardy theme song and make you
1: feel stressed out. Okay, here we go. So on Instagram, we are at Philly Asian Film Fest, and on Facebook, we are P A A F F Path. Awesome. <laughs>
2: Uh, and I will my put,
1: volunteers are now like putting back the <laughs> Um I will put
2: uh all of that, all of those links in the show notes uh for this episode. And yeah, tag tag the Gaijin Project if you go see any of these movies along with Path. Uh I wanna hear what you all think of these yes, please. of this programming. Um and not only because I just want to live <laughs> vicariously through you all. Uh, but yeah, Quinn, <laughs> again, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I'm so glad that we're now friends. And Dill. I'm so stoked to do more stuff with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, Woo! Oh. Okay, let's do it, glass half full.
2: Yes, glass half full.